This is Trey Johnson, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching. I pray that it empowers you, encourages you, and motivates you to know God and to be who He's created you to be. Mark 4, verse 35, And on the same day when the evening had come, He said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Say the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with them, and a great, say great, great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But when he was in the stern asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Verse 39, Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Say a great calm. Verse 40, Mark 4, verse 40. And he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Notice the command that Jesus had given the disciples to go to the other side. Say, go to the other side. In your business, everything that God has for us, it's ahead of us, not behind us. In this church, everything that God has is ahead of us, not behind us. Say, go to the other side. Maybe you're facing a storm in your, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your finances. Say, go to the other side. Their assignment was to go to the other side. God has always taken us from where we're at to where God wants us to be. God is not an okay God with everything being average, everything being so-so, everything being stagnant. There's nothing about the character and nature of God that sits stills, that throws it in neutral and just idles saying this is good enough. It's not in Him, so it should not be in us. There's always more. There's always greater. There's always greater wisdom. I'm believing today you and I are going to hear at a new level. You and I are going to believe at a new level. You and I are going to see at a new level. They were told to go to the other side. In other words, quit looking out here and get focused. Like Jack said, worship. And I was just, I tell you, we could have gone home after worship. Thank you all for being a worshiping church. Because we go all over, and believe me, it is not like that everywhere. <laughs> but notice, when they had left the multitude, verse 36, and took him along the boat as he was, and other little boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose. They were told to go to the other side, but then a great, the word great comes from a Greek word where we get our word mega, mega, megaphone. Mega, a great storm arose. Arose, the word comes from a Greek word which means unexpectedly. So they were told to go somewhere. Each and every one of us sitting in here this morning, God is telling us to go somewhere. He's telling us the next step. But, but I want to pause for a moment because a lot of times we want to have the whole plan laid out and we want to know all the details before we begin to step. And you know it doesn't take faith to do that and God doesn't operate like that. God will show us glimpses. He will show us parts. But then He wants us to take the next step. He doesn't want us, you know, we just, oh, I just want to make a difference. Remember the little sign that, that talks about the footprints in the sand? It's just, Jesus, you're carrying me. And that's a great, great plaque. Have you seen that before? But in church, a lot of times we just, oh, God, I just, I just want, to make a, I want to make a difference. I want to make an impact. I, I just want to make an imprint. And the only imprint you've been making is butt imprints on the front row because you're not moving or going anywhere. 
And God doesn't want that plaque. He wants us to take that plaque down. Here's the greatest butt prints I've ever seen in my life. Way to go. No, he wants us to take the next step. Say the next step. So notice they were told to go the other side and then a great, a great storm rose unexpectedly. And he keeps going. I just want to read it again here. Great windstorm arose, verse 37. The waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling, verse 38. And he was in the stern asleep on a pillow and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? You know what? The devil is a liar. And you can be in the boat with Jesus and him still lie to you saying that Jesus doesn't care about your situation. That God doesn't care about your situation. That you're the only one going through this situation. That is a lie right from the mouth of the father of lies himself. Satan, he's a liar. Say he's a liar. And he goes on to say, don't you care? Verse 39, then he arose. Notice this word arose. So the storm arose unexpectedly. Now the word arose unexpectedly. I want to encourage you that when you leave here today, maybe you've been dealing with addiction, maybe you've been dealing with relational situations, financial situations, that at one time the storm arose. Notice Jesus told them to go to the other side and the purpose of the storm was to hinder them from fulfilling the assignment that they had on the other side. Because on the other side of where they was going, there was a demonic um, gadarene. He was possessed full of the devils. And then he went on and he, he preached Jesus to ten cities. But if they could have been stopped on the way to where they were called to go, it would have cost that man his deliverance and it would have affected ten cities. What is it costing you when it gets too hard and you back off and you throw your sucker in the dirt and you pull your ear and suck your thumb and say, wah, wah, wah. It's always costing somebody else when we quit growing. We've got to keep growing in here in order to keep going out here. If there's no growth in here, there will be no going out here. Outgrow where you're at right here, in here, so you can grow through it. Not just go through it, but grow through it. We've got to grow through it, not just go through it. So notice the storm arose and then hear the word arose. He keep going, verse 39, and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. So notice, there was a great storm, but when the word went forth, now there was a great calm. Maybe you've been going through a great storm, but allow the word to rise up out of you and begin to declare there's a great calm. I don't care how big the great storm is. Maybe it's been a great sickness. There's a great healing that's greater. Maybe it's a great division and great strife. There's great peace that's greater. Maybe it's great lack, financial situation. There's great abundance that that is greater. Say he's greater. But you've got to let the word come out of your mouth. We have a choice. We have a say-so in the matter. You know that? Four of you know that. (laughs) Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30. We're going to start in verse 11. We have a choice. Say that I have a choice. I'm going to read out of the Amplified. Verse 11, it says, Deuteronomy 30, verse 11. For this commandment, which I command you, say me, this day is not too difficult for you. It's not too difficult for me. Have you ever felt like the word was too difficult? It's not too difficult. Say, it's not too difficult. This day... The commandment 
is given to you this day, and it's not too difficult for you, nor is it far off. It is not a secret laid up in heaven that you should say, Who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it to us, that we may hear and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, Who shall go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear and do it? But the word is very near you. This sounds familiar to us, right? Romans chapter 10. The word is very near you. It's in your mouth and it's in your mind and it's in your heart so that you can do it. You can do it. Say, I can do it. Look at your neighbor and say, you can do it. Notice he said the word, it's not just about us gaining more information. It's about what are we doing with what we know. It's not about just coming to church on the way to lunch. It's not just checking our religious box and, and oh, we come here and we feel better because we showed up. You need to keep showing up. That's part of the process. Keep showing up. If that's all you can do is keep showing up, you keep showing up. But then as you're sitting here and you're hearing and you're writing, what are you going to do with what you're writing? He says it's not too difficult that you and I, we can do it. God would never ask us to do something that we didn't have the ability to do. Say, I can do it. Let's keep going. Verse 15. He says, see, I have set before you this day life and good, death and evil. Now notice this. If, say if. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, to keep His commandments and His statutes and His ordinances, then you, say me, shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land to which you go to possess. But if, say if, if your mind and heart turn away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, verse 18... I declare to you today that you shall surely perish and you shall not live long on the land which you pass over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness this day against you that I have set before you, say me, life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that you and your descendants may live. Choose, choose life. Now, as we get into this, let's just practice this. Everybody smile. And I'll go ahead and tell you, you can go ahead and start hearing them. You, you hear that? Those are called sacred cows. And, and, and as you hear, this is what we always want to ask ourselves, okay? Where's the scripture? My opinion does not count. It does not matter if it does not line up with God's word. I know in America that's shocking, that our opinion does not matter if it does not line up. That's part of the word Lord. When I say, Jesus, you are my Lord, I'm exchanging what I think I know for what He knows. And I'm willing to embrace His word. I'm willing to wrap my mind and connect it to His mind. I'm willing to allow His word to dominate my heart. I am willing to allow His word to come out of my mouth. I am willing. He is my Lord. He has a right to speak into my life and redirect anything that needs to be redirected. Is He truly our Lord? Okay, let me ask you this. Have you, have you ever heard this saying before? That God is in control of everything. <laughs> Lift your hand if you've ever heard that saying. Or everything 
just happens for a reason. Must be God's will. If it's happening, must be God's will. God's in control of everything. You hear that? So, so let's just start. Let's just start with you, okay? Yesterday. So, everybody smile. So you're telling me if God is in control of everything, he, he was in control of everything you thought of yesterday. He was in control of everything you watched yesterday. He was in control of everything that come out of your holy mouth yesterday. <laughs> so he was in control of whether you ate Fruit Loops or Special K. God is in control of everything. And bless God, if God wants you to do it, He will make you do it. I remember one minister, he was preaching along these lines, and, and this guy in the back stood up and said, if God wants you to do something, God is sovereign, and He'll make you do it. And he said, this out of His spirit man comes in, why don't He make you pay your tithes then? <laughs> he said, the guy just sit down in the back, slumped behind his chair. <laughs> so if, if God is in control of everything, that means whether you wore red underwear or your whitey, mighty tighties. <laughs> Nobody raised their hands on this one, or if you're none at all. <laughs> like I've been set free. I did so much freedom in Jesus. <laughs> so is... God truly in control of everything. You hear him? Well, God will just make everything work, work together for good. You know, that's to a specific group of people. That's not to everybody. We have a choice. Anywhere you see if in the Bible, it lets us know that we have a choice. We have a choice whether we overcome. We have a choice whether we walk in dominion and authority. We have a choice of whether we forgive or whether we don't. We have a choice of whether we increase or whether we don't. We have a choice of whether we praise God or we don't. We have a choice. We have a choice. We have a choice whether we fulfill our purpose and destiny or whether we don't. We have a choice. If God was going to make anybody do anything, He would make everybody get saved. Does He do that? But it's still His will that everybody gets saved. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, He says, I don't, I don't wish that any, any, any should perish. We have a choice. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. So I'm glad I came today. I can tell some of you are really having fun. 
<laughs> Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. It says, For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which He prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them whether we like it or whether we don't. That's not what he says, is it? <laughs> Living the good life which He prearranged and made ready for us to live. You know God has a, a good life for you and I, but we have to choose to walk in the good life. God, He desires a relationship with you and I, but we have to choose to come into relationship with God. That, that He has a, a plan of redemption for each and every one of us, but we have to choose to receive and to step in in that plan of redemption. He, he wants every one of us to walk free from addiction and deliverance and hindrances and demonic activity. He wants all of our marriages to be strong and whole and our, our kids to serve God all the days of His life. But we have a choice in the matter. How did, how did Jesus teach us to pray in Matthew chapter 6? Remember that, verse 10? You could probably quote it better than I can. Our Father, which art in heaven, come on, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Okay, what, what's the crime rate in heaven? Telling you last night, I'm, those angels, they were working so hard. I mean, somebody snuck in and they stole a head of lettuce on all three. Is there sickness in heaven? Is there disease in heaven? Is there lack in heaven? What, what, so if, how, why would he tell us to pray if that's just God's will? Pray his will be done on earth, earth as it is where? We have a, we have a choice. Hold, hold your place there in Ephesians chapter 2. Go with me to Revelations chapter 3. So I have a choice. And I want you to be thinking, we have a choice whether we're going to use the name of Jesus. We have a choice whether we're going to receive the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. We have a choice whether we're going to open our mouth and we're going to cuss or whether we're going to speak the word. We have a choice. I have a choice. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. I'm going to read this out of the Amplified. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And bless God, I'll blow that door down off the hinges if you don't open it. Oh, keep reading. Some of you are saying, does it really say that? No, I was kidding right there. I just wanted... That's what we're implying when we say God is in control of everything. And everything just happens for a reason. It says, I stand at the door knocking if anyone, say anyone hears and listens to and heeds my voice and opens the door, I will come into him, I will eat with him, and he will eat with me. So if he is knocking on that door, and if you don't open the door, will he come in? Well, I thought God was in control of everything. See, there's some things in the church world, and I'm telling you, even people that don't go to church will say stuff like this, and it's hindered our ability to walk in victory. Because we like a no-fault religion. 
We like putting all the blame on God and we have nothing to say, nothing to do. We can think anything we want. We can believe anything we want. We can say anything we want. We can do anything we want because anyway, God is in control of everything and whatever His will is, that's just what's going to happen. That is not true. We have a choice of whether we're going to walk in victory or not. This church has a choice whether it's going to fulfill its assignment or not. We have a choice when disease is looking you right in the face of whether you're going to put your foot down and say, Ah, devil, you've taken out my whole family, but you've met your match right here. And in the name of Jesus, you charge hell with a water pistol if that's what it takes. We have a choice. We have a choice of whether we're going to stay tweaked out or not. We have a choice. Whatever you're facing, we have a choice of right where I'm at, whether I'm going I'm going to believe for God to bring me out of this. I'm going to believe for God to restore my life. I'm going to believe for my finances to come up. I'm going to believe for this fear to be eradicated out of my life. I have a choice. He's knocking, but am I going to open the door and let him in? Because if I don't open the door, he's not coming in. If I don't open the door in my marriage, he's not coming in. If I don't open the door with my kids, he's not coming in. If I don't open the door in any area of life, he's not coming in. So to say that God is in control of everything and that whatever happens is just God's will is not a true statement. Where is the scripture that proves that out? You know it's hard to find that God is sovereign in the Bible itself? Well, that'll just blow some religious skirts up. Now we know He's sovereign. Do we believe He's all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present? You better believe it. He is Almighty God. That's who He is. But in His sovereignty, He gave you and I a choice of whether we're going to walk in relationship with Him, whether we're going to connect our thinking with Him, whether we're going to open our mouth and say what He says, whether we're going to take dominion and authority of our place upon this earth and walk in victory. We have a choice. This church has an assignment, but you have a choice whether you fulfill it or not. We have a choice. Let's have a choice. Go back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. I'll just read this in the New King James. Let's have a choice. Verse 11, Therefore remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called uncircumcision made in the flesh by hands that at the time you were without Christ. You were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Notice, notice the phrases that you were without Christ. Has there ever been anybody in this room that's ever been without Christ? Then he goes on to say, having no hope and without God in the world. You ever been at a place where you had no hope? You ever been at a place where you were without God? Notice it says that there was a place that you and I, when we were separated from God, even though he was knocking, you and I didn't let him in. And even though he was all present, and even though he was all powerful, and even though he was all knowing, because we didn't, we did not choose to let him in. We were without Christ, we were without hope, and we were without God. So if that is the case, and God is in control of everything, and you think he made you to be without him... No, it is not God's will that you and I be without hope. It is not God's will that you and I be without Him. 
It is not God's will that you and I submit to the curse. It is not God's will for the devil to walk over us and kick our tail and we just sit here and just say, well, bless the Lord. I'm just thankful. I'm thankful for all things. I'm thankful for this cancer. Now, we laugh at that, but I'm telling you what, religion has taught people to lay down and be a bunch of whining crybabies. And that's not us. Go with me to Matthew chapter 22. How's everybody doing? (laughs) Yes. Matthew 22, verse 14. This is a very familiar scripture. For many are called, but few are chosen. Now, now how did he get to this statement? Many, many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. God's not sitting up in heaven with a little sunflower and picking petals saying, I I, I love him, I I love him not. I I guess this one will get it and that one won't. Bless his heart and bless her heart. For many are called, but few are chosen. Go, let's go back to verse 1. Matthew 22, verse 1. And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Now, now notice this. Jesus answered, verse 1, and spoke to them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding. You know, God is inviting every single one of us to the wedding. And you know God is going to have a wedding whether you show up or whether you don't. It isn't God's choice whether you show up or whether you don't. Whose choice is it? Now, I just want to interject something as we read this. And, and, of course, you're here today, and I appreciate you being here, and this is what you should be doing, and we're learning and we're growing. But if you don't practice showing up for the wedding here, what makes you think you're going to show up when it's time? If you don't practice eating here at the table for the wedding feast, what makes you think you're going to be able to eat when you get there? If you get there. We're going to be really surprised. Remember when Jesus talks about the difference between the goats and the sheep whenever he comes back? Goats and sheep smell a lot alike. And we sit here in church and we're smiling. And I'm telling you this because we go to, we're in a Baptist, Pentecostal, Methodist church. You go all across the deal. And we sit here in the body of Christ and we smile and bless the Lord. And we say that we do everything just right. And goats and sheep smell and sound a lot alike. But there's going to come a time that you've got to make a decision. I'm not going to play church. I am the church. I'm not just going to play with this. I'm going to go after God with all my heart. Many are called, but few are chosen. We've got to choose to be chosen. Let's keep going. Verse 4, again, again, now picture this. If Jesus himself, the King of kings, invited you to a dinner, would you go? IQ test right here. Okay, let's just engage. Let's do this right here. But how many people right now on Sunday mornings have been invited and they're not going anywhere? Let's keep going again, again. 
he sent out other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and fatted cattle and killed, and, and all these things are ready. Come to the wedding. Come to the wedding. Come to the wedding. Come, come, come to church. Come, come be a part of what God's doing. Come, come, come. The invitation. Remember, he just didn't stop one time. How many of you? I know before I gave my life to the Lord, I can't even tell you how many times I was invited. How about you? I was invited. Will you come to church? I was invited to come to this group and to that group. Invited. How many of you were invited? And the master is still. This is where we're at right now today. That God's heart. People are always on the heart of God. When God wired you and designed you and equipped you, you know he had people attached to your gifts. When he looks at you, he just doesn't see you and your gifts and say, well, bless the Lord, you're sure doing a good job. You know what he sees eternally? He sees the people that your gift is connected to reach. He sees the passion that your passion is to determined to reach somebody. He sees somebody's face and he has assigned you to reach them. But you've got to rise up and be willing. I choose to agree with God. I choose to align my thinking with God. If anybody's going to go, God, I'll go. If anybody's going to be sent, God, I'll go. If anybody says yes, God, I'll say yes. I don't care if I'm the only one on the battlefield. You better bet your tail I'll be the only one on the battlefield. We as a body of Christ have to get to that place in our hearts that I've got to choose and I'm going to choose. God, send me. God, show up in my life. If anybody's prayer is going to get answered, it's going to be mine. If anybody's going to walk in deliverance, it's going to be us. If anybody's going to prosper, it's going to be us. If anybody's going to increase, it's going to be us. Because it's easy to think God's going to show up for pasture, but you've got to be determined. If anybody's going to know God, right here, right here. That just doesn't happen. Will of God's not just going to fall out of heaven. Walking down the road. A lot of times we're looking out here. But it starts in here. Let's keep reading. Verse 4. Again, he sent other servants saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I prepared my dinner. My oxen and fat of cattle are killed. And all things are ready. Come to the wedding. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it and went their ways. One to his own farm, another to his business. In other words, they made light of God's word. They made light of the presence of God. It wasn't a big deal whether they come to church or not. They, them and God had their own thing going. We deal this a lot with the cowboys and stuff. Just, I don't got to go to church. Me and God, we got our own thing going. No, you don't. You know, you know, we can make a God that we can't see say anything we want him to say. So me and God, we got our own thing going, and it is just mind-blowing at the moment that you and God agree about everything. I mean, God is one smart cookie. He agrees with everything you do. You know, I learned years ago that most of my interactions with God are going to be corrective. Because he's perfect, and I'm not. And a lot of times we want to bring God down and make Him agree with us instead of us coming up and living to the degree that He wants us to live. See, true servanthood is serving someone the way they want to be served, not the way we think they should be served. 
So God, I'm going to serve you on my terms. I'm going to, I'm going to do, uh, this is Sunday's the only day that I can sleep in. You know, I've got my business, I've got my kids' sports, I've got all this type of stuff. So in five months from now, I might go to church. Yeah. Me and God, we got our own thing worked out. You understand my schedule, right God? <laughs> Boy, you're right about that. You better open the gate and they're packing up back there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's go down to verse 8. And then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. As many, This is where we're at. As many as you find, invite the wedding. Verse 10. Let's keep going. So the servants went out into the highways and gathered together all who they found, both good and bad, bad and good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. His will will be accomplished whether we choose, now, now listen to this, whether we choose to be involved or not. God loves people and God will do whatever He has to do to reach people, but He will bypass us if we are not willing to step into the game. When we aren't being who God has called and created us to be, God will raise somebody else up that is willing. And you know in a church setting, when somebody doesn't step up and they're called to serve in the children's department, they're called to serve at the sound booth or greet or whatever it is, and they don't step up, it causes a void and somebody else has to cover your tail. And they're not created to be there. There will be a grace on them to fulfill that void, but God has designed you and created you. And equipped you to be a part and add value to the kingdom of God. I've seen people that they start their journey and then they choose not to go any further. They're divinely connected to people and then they choose to walk away. And some people, when they realize they're out of their place and their life is a living hell on earth, If we're still breathing, and we are because we're here, we can repent and get right back into our place and God's grace step into it and run our race. His super comes upon our natural for restoration and advancement and growth and for us to be who He's called us to be. But if we stay out, it is hell on earth. We have a choice. I have a choice. We have a choice. Has every single person in this building, have you answered that before? I know all of us have slammed the door and Holy Ghost got a finger. Ah, man, he opened it and he slammed it on me. Not just in salvation. I'm not just talking about salvation. I'm talking when it comes to your healing. I'm talking when it comes to our families. I'm talking when it comes to destiny and purpose. I'm talking when it comes to us coming up and letting go of what we thought we knew and embracing what God is saying is our inheritance. God is not in the control. of. He's not in the baby killing business. He's not in the business of causing floods and hurricanes and tornadoes and going in and wrapping up the the trailer house and just throwing it across the the parking lot and killing four babies. That is not the God that I serve. I have a great earthly father. He's a good man and, and he's done the best that he knows how to do. And if you were to sit here and start talking to me about him being a liar, about him being a killer, and about him being a stiller, and about being a destroyer, don't let this smile fool you. That's right. 
that would not settle well with me. But we sit here in church and just, well, God, God must have a reason. And preachers have got up here and they've sit by caskets and just saying, God needs another little baby in heaven. No, he doesn't need another little baby in heaven. And we sit here, it must just be the mysterious will of God that my teenager got taken out too early. God is in control. That is a bunch of lies. That is not our father. He's good and he's only good. Only good. There's no evil in him. But we have a choice of whether first and foremost we're going to believe that he is. He's good, he's faithful, he's almighty, he's healer, he's blesser, he's deliverer. That's a choice. You know, nowhere in the creation in Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, remember on day 1 when he created the heavens and the earth and at the end what did he say? It's good. And then he goes on and he creates the, the seed and the grass and the trees and what did he say? It's good. And he created the stars in the heavens and he created all the, the animals in the water and he created everything. What would he say? It's good. He got to man and he created man and he said it is very good. No part in the original creation do you see God creating cancer. You don't see him creating disease. You don't see him creating lack or poverty. Why? Because he's good and he's only good. Everything is good in its original creation. We have a choice of what we believe. Are you, when you go inward, am I truly believing that God can bring me out of this situation? Am I truly believing that God has given me dominion and authority and I have on my armor and I have on my helmet and I have my spear and I am equipped to win? One thing I enjoy about your pastor, when I think of somebody locking arms with one another, you know in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 when it talks about the armor of God? And it starts off and it says, finally, verse 10, Ephesians 6, 10, finally, my brethren. Now the word brethren there comes from a Greek word where two identical twins are birthed out of the same womb. And what would happen at this time, when, when Paul was writing Ephesians, he was using their language at this time. And, and at this time, Alexander the Great, he was kicking tail and taking names and he was expanding the kingdom this way and that way. And he was a warrior. And so what they would do... You know, they would have commanders that would oversee certain battles and they would watch these young warriors and, and the warriors that were not average, they, they thought different, they believed different. I mean, you would stick them in there and they would come out with just, I mean, fire in their eyes and they were victorious. And they would have these banquets and they would bring these young men up on the stage and then the Alexander the Great would walk out. And this was one of the greatest, um, greatest awards that they could receive and he would stick his arm around them and he would say... This is my brethren. And the Spirit of God is saying this to you and I through Paul. He says, finally, notice the word finally. Think of Ephesians. I mean, we learn about our inheritance. We learn about the order of the church. We learn about the order of the home. We learn about all these powerful things. He says, but if you haven't gotten all that yet, it's still up here, but it hasn't dropped down into here. He says, you got to get this. Finally, my Brethren, he's saying the Spirit of God is wrapping his arm around you saying the same way I'm a tail kicker, you're a tail kicker. The same way I'm victorious, you're victorious. The same way the Spirit of God, I am the Spirit of God and I'm in you. And if I could overcome this, you can overcome this. If I can win, you can win. If I can triumph, you can triumph. That's who you are. My brethren. So whatever situation you're in, I want you to see the Spirit of God wrapping His arm around you. And He's saying, listen, listen, listen. I know you feel like there's no hope. But I'm with you and I'm in you and I am hope. 
He's saying, listen, listen, I know what the doctor's report says, but I want you to hear what I say. That he himself who, who took infirmity bore sickness and by the stripes of Jesus you were healed and you are healed. He said, listen, listen, listen. You, you were delivered from the power of darkness. Listen, I made him to nothing. I made him to zero. It looks like he's winning right now, but listen, listen. And he wraps his arm around you and he's saying, My brethren, you're cut from the same cloth I am. Don't you quit. Don't you throw in the towel. Don't you throw your sucker down. Don't you say, This is never going to work. What do I do? Uh-uh, uh-uh. My brethren, my brethren. So no matter what state you're in, God is in control of the lives of people who are willing to give Him control. How am I doing? This is something I've got to ask myself. Not, not just how are you doing. How am I doing when it comes to believing God's Word? How am I doing to praise God? How am I doing when I say, God says, do this? Am I saying yes or am I saying, ugh? How am I doing? We come to church and we're looking around, well, I wonder how everybody else is doing. No, 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 no. How am I doing? 2 Corinthians 13, 5, he says, examine your own self to see if your faith is producing the fruit that it needs to produce. We come in with our overalls and our name tag on and we think we're fruit inspectors of everybody else. Well, the Bible tells us to inspect fruit of one another in the church. Don't you judge me. Shut that up. That's biblical to judge the fruit. But the first fruit I've got to judge is right here. Right here. I know some of you are in some very difficult situations. But I want you to make a decision today. That you're going to choose to believe God's word. That song, that whether, whether you, it feels like it's working or not. You choose to open your mouth and declare God's word. Whether it seems like anything is working out here, you choose to trust God's faithfulness and His character and nature. You choose to say yes to God's Word. You know what God is saying to you, 2 Corinthians 1.20, all the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him, amen. I was going through a very difficult time years ago, and the Lord had me go get this movie, and this guy said no about everything. No, 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 no. But he gets to the point, and he said yes. And I, I was like, Lord, I wouldn't watch this. I wouldn't pick this out, but I just felt led to watch it, you know. And this guy said yes about everything. And as this guy, they'd ask him anything. He'd say, yes, 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 yes. And God says, Trey, I want you to know that's what I say to you. Every time you declare my word, I'm saying yes. When it comes to your dream, I'm saying yes. When it comes to that vision, I'm saying yes. When it comes to provision, I'm saying yes. When it comes to healing your body, I'm saying yes. When it comes to restoring your life, I'm saying yes. If you hear anything, heaven is echoing, yes, run your dream. Yes, overcome. Don't you back down. Yes, I'm in you. Yes, yes, yes. You know the sound guys like that when the stuff like that happens. They're like, oh my gosh. Or the front rollers right here. They... <laughs> yes. 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 Will, will God deliver you? What's the answer, church? But see, we got to choose to believe that. Will God heal our bodies? What's the answer? Will this church fulfill its assignment? Is this church blessed to be a blessing? Yes, 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 but we've got to choose to be in agreement and alignment with God's 
word.